Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night cheer. This Shabbos is Pasha's Kedach. As you all know, according to the dates, today is the Shchidish Tammuz. Tonight is actually the second day of the Shchidish Tammuz, Aleph Tammuz, which is the birthday and the yardside of Yosef HaTzadik. Where Yosef HaTzadik is referred to, unlike Ruvain, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, when they refer to Yosef, they refer to Yosef HaTzadik. Shir be Lila Nishmas, the memory of, of course, is every time as Lisa Shlamis. The Fus and Yeshuas for all those that are needed speedily. Hashem celebrated yesterday his grandson's birthday. Menachem Mendel Hech turned four. The Mayor of Esmshana. It was a great nephew's birthday as well. It was upsharing yesterday. The Yezer Rubin. Shavlangi Gesundheit Felch Yarden gave Mechsidish Eidish Chsidish Nachas to their parents Gesundheit. I'm going to already call out to the father of Elias Rubin, my dear nephew, for his birthday for Erev Shabbos Bez Tamas. And of course, the same brachas. Nachas, Pechachova, Gizuntahe. Yosef Atzadik won his fame. by being able to overcome much controversy in his life. Controversy that very few of us would ever be able to overcome. Controversy and pain that was inflicted upon him by his very own brothers, his very own family, being beaten, thrown into a ditch, sold as a slave, and then being subjected to servitude in Mitzrayim, until the prophecy of the dream. Of the dream that said that they would bow down to him, till that prophecy came through. Yosef suffered many different trials and tribulations. Even down in Mitzrayim, as the Shein of the Melech, and of course leading up to that, whether it had been between Ashes Pekifar or any other temptations that were thrown at him. And yet Yosef remained Yosef HaTzadik. One of the reasons the brothers did not recognize him was because it was not believable, it was not plausible, it was not acceptable to their human minds that their brother Yosef, after all these years, not only would be still alive, physically, but so alive spiritually. This did not occur to them at all. 
And therefore, they did not recognize him. But yes, Yosef kept through and was thorough and was a tumim, was complete and did everything that needed, everything that was required of him to the umpteenth level. And therefore, we refer to him as Yosef HaTzadik. And it's seen, as was by Meshe Rabbeinu, is seen by Yosef HaTzadik, that he passed away on his birthday. He completed the complete cycle. It was not the exact years of 120 as Meshe, but whatever reasons that was, whatever reasons the Ebishter had for him, Yosef HaTzadik surely lived up to his potential and accomplished what needed to be accomplished. So we mentioned in that case, being today is Reish Chedish, Aleph, Thursday, Friday of course, Bez, and bringing us Shabbos to Gimel Tamas. Gimel Tamas is mentioned many times in history. But firstly and foremost and utmost, the Rebbe referred to Tammuz, the month of Tammuz, as a Chedish Agaula. Although Nisan, Nigalov Nisan, Asidin Ligoyal, it's in the month of Nisan that we were redeemed from Egypt, and in the month of Egypt, that ultimate, in the month of Nisan, we will ultimately be redeemed. Still in all, Chedesh Tammuz, because of the greatest gashus of the Rebbe to his father-in-law, to the Fidik Rebbe, the great connection that the Rebbe had with his father-in-law, Chedesh Tammuz is although marred by the Shivasava Tamas in the beginning of the three weeks, but it is highlighted according to the Rebbe of many, many Sikhs by the Amtevim of Yudbeis and Yudgimel Tamas. Yudbeis Tamas, as we know, the, the birthday of the previous Rebbe, of the Fidik Rebbe, and Yudgimel Tamas is Chagagahullah. The Fidik Rebbe was arrested, of course, on the false charges, false pretenses, because according to the Russian constitution, one was allowed to practice religion. Fidik Rebbe had sent emissaries, shluchim, everywhere, throughout Russia. And the Shluchim of the Fidik Rebbe knew that they had to go there Amasidus Nefesh Mamish. Now we hear that word Mesidus Nefesh only too often. What is the extent of Mesidus Nefesh? Many a Chassid of the Fidik Rebbe went out on the Shlichus of the Fidik Rebbe went out to teach a underground cheder, to open under the underground cheder. Many a chassid of the Fidik Rebbe went to remote places so that the chinuch of Yiladim should be continued, so that Yiddishkeit could be brought to that town. And many such chassidim were never heard of again. And whereas in most organizations, when the head of the organization hears that Rahman al-Islan, his soldier, his foot soldier, disappeared, or even worse, if Rahman al-Islan physically perished, most organizations recall the entire program. And they say, we need to regroup, we need to rethink, we need to figure this one out, that we don't lose another soldier. 
not by the free of the Kirebbe. This was not an option. If heaven forbid, if God forbid it was found, it was discovered that any given shliach was no longer functioning for whatever reason may be, another shliach was immediately sent to replace him. And each shliach, of course, under the threat, under the extreme danger of God forbid what could be done to them. But everything was left behind. And they went with the Kayach of the Mishaleach, the Kayach, the strength of their sender, to do the living beckon of the Rebbe. The Rebbe was then put into prison and was sentenced to death. Famous, famous stories came about of the inter- interrogations of the Friedrich Rebbe. The most famous of all that we teach to all the children repeatedly, and they hear it on an annual basis. One of the interrogators who tried to get the Friedrich Rebbe to confess to his crimes, to his heinous crimes, took a revolver and put it on the table in front of the Friedrich Rebbe. I said, do you know what this is? The Friedrich Rebbe said yes. And he got infuriated because the Rebbe didn't start to shake like one normal person would. Would ask and confronted with such a horrific question in a prison, an oppressive time, knowing that this is not a friend of yours. The fellow was so upset that he didn't get the proper reaction. He lifted the gun and he put it to Rebbe's face. Do you know what this can do to you? The Rebbe didn't flinch, didn't blink an eye. He called him names, shall we say, non-complimentary, and said to the Rebbe, many a man have loosened their tongues in the face of this item. And the answer of the Rebbe, this is the lesson to every one of us. If a person has one world and two gods, then he will fear that. I, on the other hand, have one God and two worlds. I do not fear that. The two worlds, of course, Elam Haza and Elam Haba, the world to come. And since it says that the dates of heaven have a sign or a constant announcement, proclamation of Ashrei Mishabalikan Vitamude Biyodai, how great it is for the one that comes here and his Talmud, his studying is in his, in his hand. And therefore, the great Mesiris Nefesh, the abnegation of the of the Friedrich Rebbe, being prepared as a chassidim, of course, following suit, were prepared to die for the Eibushter, Al Kiddush Hashem. They knew that this would then bring them their, in their stead. This would then bring them to the higher level, highest of levels, to be able to ascertain the greatest levels and therefore not be concerned. Welcome Atlanta, Georgia. We didn't welcome Scranton before. Welcome Scranton. So this Shabbos is Gimel Tammuz. Hold on. On Gimel Tammuz better? Yeah, there you are. Gimel Tammuz, the Friedrich Rebbe, who was told that he's going to be put to death, had his sentence commuted. And he was told that he's going to be sent off to a, a far-off city for hard, hard labor, a city called Kastrama. And he would be sent to Kastrama 
for three years. The Fidik Rebbe, needless to say, was not in any condition to work hard labor in Kastarama. But yet, a few short days later, on Yudbeis Tammuz Shabbos, the Fidik Rebbe was notified that his entire case has been closed, his sentence totally commuted, and he is free to go home. And the Rebbe said, on Shabbos I will not walk out. On Shabbos I will not sign. So they told him, you don't sign today, you have to wait till Monday. And the Rebbe said, if that's what it's meant to be, then so be it. Ultimately, miraculously, on Sunday, Yid Gimel Tamuz, Friedrich Rebbe was taken out of the prison. So therefore, Gimel Tamuz is considered the Eschalta de Geula. The beginning of that Geula, that redemption of the Friedrich Rebbe's, of which the Rebbe puts the entire month of Tammuz as a Chedesh Geula, as a Simcha Gedela. Days that the Chesidim, as they received a letter from the Friedrich Rebbe, it's not only myself, but the entire nation of Klal Yisrael, anyone that stands for any kind of Teda, was redeemed today. And all this began, the miracles began on Gimel Tammuz. Let us go back several years prior to the story of the Friedrich Rebbe. On the Hebrew calendar, it was the year 2488. For you historians, you will figure out, of course, that was the time, the year, that the Yidin entered Eretz Yisrael. For in the year 2448, they left Egypt. And in Egypt, and in the desert, they circled for 40 years. So anyone that needs the mathematician, or needs the IRS calculator, 2448, 40 years later is 2488. Let us go to Gimel Tammuz 2488. Is this thing frozen or something? Atlanta, are you with us? I don't know. I hope so. On Gimel Thomas 2488, it is written. Hmm. We need to find this. The greatness of this special day of Gimel Tammuz, known as a Yom Zakai, it's brought down in Seda Elam Rabo. It's a Medrash. It's in Pedic Giralef, if you're going to find a Seda Elam Rabo. Gimel Tammuz was the miracle of Yedabri Yeshua. Yeshua spoke. Shemesh begivain doim ve'ereach ba'imek ilon. In the tenth chapter of the book of Yeshua, the twelfth verse, Pedic Yud, Posuk Yud Beis, the Novi tells us, Yeshua spoke, and because of his tvila, Shemesh begivain doim. The Shemesh, the sun, stayed in givain up in the sky. And did not set. Since we need to find a parallel between these two happenings, Gimel Thomas that Shemesh be given them, and the Aschalta the Ula of the Fidik Rebbe. And the main thing, of course, as the Razal tell us. In Pirkei Yovis, Pedic Aleph, Mishnah Yudzayin, chapter 1 of the chapter of our fathers, Mishnah 17, Loya Medesha Ika Elaha The main thing is the actual action. So therefore, what do we need to learn from these two 
incidents that both similarly happened on this Yem Zakai of Gimel Tammuz. First of all, let us understand the fact that Yeshua stopped the sun. He stopped the sun. The entire solar system came to a standstill. The sun, the moon, everything is standing still. Why? Because the battle was not over. And in order to clear up the entire battle and to finish, he needed more time. And since he knew that this was the day that the battle needed to be done and won, therefore he said, let the sun stay where it is, so that this day does not come to an end. And therefore he stopped the sun. The sun slept or stood still and the moon stood also on its place until the destruction of the enemy. Practically speaking, if you want to explain this to the child, you tell them just what I said. In order to win the battle on this very day, he needed to keep the sun in its place so the day does not come to an end. But honestly speaking, what does stopping the sun have to do with winning the war? First of all, Yeshua was concerned that if it got dark, the enemies would run and they would not see them under the cover of night and therefore they would not be able to catch them. So he said, son, don't move. Wait, stay up and give in exactly where you're standing and we'll be good. But that doesn't float the boat as we say. Because if that's the case, and he needed just the sun to stay up in the sky. Why the moon? Why did the moon have to be involved in this? Why did the moon help out in this story? Also we need to understand what is the exact Lushan Shemesh Begivain Doim that the Shemesh stood in giving, using, referring to the word as Doim. Doim generally means quiet. It was shut up. If you wanted to stop the sun, it should not move. It didn't continue in its trip, in its work, in its movement. It should say, Amud, Amud, it stood. What is the Lushan Doim referring to silenced? Where does that come into play? We find Uxidis, the Mittler Rebbe, being the second Lubavitcher Rebbe, in the Drushim of the Tzemach Tzedek, the third, his son in law. And they asked this question. What is the concept of What is the concept of the sun stopping to conquer the, the enemy? Is it possible to say that if the sun would not have stopped, they could not have beaten the enemy? What is the head of this whole thing? Why is it without the sun and moon they cannot win the war? And the, the Rebbeim explained that the Kavana of Yeshua, the intentions of Yeshua, saying, Shemesh be given he wanted to hold back the plentitude of the nations of the world. All those that were battling against the Jews, he wanted to withhold from them. 
Who are the ones that are fighting the Jews? The ones that served the sun and the moon and the stars and the mazolis. The, all the different formations. And this way, Mimela, if they're not serving and calling out to what they consider their gods, then the war will be won. In Tavshin Memhei, the Rebbe gave a very intense lesson in the solar system. On Shabbos, Vashas Kedah, Gimel Tammuz, the Rebbe speaks in great depth how the sun works, how the sun turns, how it goes around the earth, and how the moon comes from the other side, how these things, now this is obviously all based on the Rambam, we see a lot of this in Kiddush HaKedush, or even in Hilkos Yisaydi HaTedah, And the Rebbe at great length explains exactly how all this came about, how it all works in conjunction together, how they all flow with one to the other, this one turning, this one going, this one spinning, this one reflecting. And it turns out how the sun, the moon is, needs the sun for to light it, to, to illuminate it, and what, how one needs to come out to the other. With all this understanding once, which I personally don't think I could properly give over, because I'm not knowledgeable enough to be able to teach the solar system here, I could say that we're in time restraint, and I don't want to waste all this year doing it, but I will confess to not being the going awesome to be able to explain all this. But through understanding all this, the Rebbe says, we understand why Yeshua stops the sun and the moon, and Vayidem Hashem Eshviyereach Omad Adikum Geyavevav. Because the enemies within them that fought the Jews, as we said before, served all different idol worship, and therefore the Chol Tzva Shemayim, everything that happened in the, in the heavens, and it says in the pasuk in Vayeschanon, chapter four. That's the Chumash Devarim. We leave that for everybody else to tell me how to say Deuteronomy or whatever it's called. that a person may not lift up their eyes and start to figure and to think and to delve into the consolations in heaven and the sun and the moon, etc., and the stars, and start to perhaps think, God forbid, that they are actually running the world. This was all left to the Goyim to try to break their heads over. Since this is the idea of the heavens, of everything that's created up in heaven, to how what effect it has on the world. Therefore, it also has the same effect on the... It has the most, mainly effect on the non-Jewish nation. And this is therefore, Yeshua, knowing that this would be their downfall, and thereby Yeshua stops the sun, even the moon, which also is something that the people relied on and depended on, and turned to. But most of all, is Gimel Tammuz, the Ischalta de Geula, also turning to the leader of the nation, and appreciating, and being thankful to Hashem, for the wonderful miracles that He bestowed upon our leader, the Rebbe, the Friedrich Rebbe, and the Yom that He brings about from it. I believe I told this story before. A non-observant family must have bumped into some chassid somewhere. And the child 
Joe, shall we call him, was about 12 years old. And they convinced, the Chassid convinced the father and the son to go into Yechidus by the Rebbe. He told them before Babitzah, we have a tradition before the Babitzah, the Babitzah when he goes in with the father of the family for a private audience with the Rebbe. It's open! I don't know if that's going to work. Just one second. We'll make, take a slight two-second break to open the door. Anyway, the father and the son went into the Rebbe for Yechidus before Bar Mitzvah. And the Rebbe looked at this innocent 12 year old boy who knew nothing about Yiddishkeit physically, who didn't even have a pair of tefillin bought for his Bar Mitzvah. And the Rebbe asked him, Do you know anything about baseball? The boy said, Sure. They have asked him, what's better? If one team plays, the two teams play. Now obviously, this Americanized little boy, nothing to do with Yiddishkeit, looks at this esteemed rabbi, and he hears that the fellows are a revered rabbi, esteemed, holy, and he says, Rabbi, you seem to be a little confused about baseball. You can't play baseball with one team. You need two teams. Rabbi says, huh? I see. And do you play baseball? He says, sure, I play baseball sometimes. Do you ever go to a professional game? He says, well, my father lets. So don't you have to pay to go into the professional game? He says, yeah, but, it's, it's, you know, this. he says, why pay to go into a professional game? You can go with your friends to the park and play your own game. Oh, Rebbe, you don't understand. It's not the same. We play, we have fun and everything. But they watch them play. They really, they're so different. The way they pitch and the way they hit and the way they field. It's just not. We, of course it's so much different. Who wins? The boy was shocked. What do you mean, who wins? Who wins the game that I best? So I don't know. Whoever has the most points, most score, most runs. The Rebbe told him the team that plays the hardest wins. The Rebbe, said that was, was the Rebbe told the boy okay. the team that plays the hardest wins. No! Joey understood that the Rebbe does have something here to say. The Rebbe's eyes were shining, they were penetrating through him. Good. Thank you, Rebbe. And he goes on his merry way. No, Joey's gone. Joey goes back home. And the only thing the family kept, seriously, the only thing they really kept in any which way, form or fashion, was Jim Kipper. Joey gets an invitation, he's now about 15, 16 years old, he gets an invitation from his friends. They're going to New Orleans. Mardi Gras, who knows what. They're going to New Orleans. Here's what it was for. And um, Joey was very excited. He chose his parents, he says, I'd like to go with them. And the mother looks at it, and looks at the date, and says, wait a minute, he checks the calendar. Sorry, Joey, that's your kipper. Can't go on your kipper. Check the fridge for a cold bottle of salt. Cups on top of the fridge. You can't go on your kipper. But what does your kipper mean to us already? How could you do this to me? This is a trip, like once in a lifetime trip. 
all my friends, everybody, we're going to be going. Please, mom, dad. Cups on top of me. Father says, listen here, Joey. It's in Kippur. Your mother's right to be steadfast about it. Thank you. But let me be honest with you, Joey. I don't want to start a fight with you. I don't want to pressure you. But do me a favor, Joey. Think about it. Spend the night, think it through. Think it through. If tomorrow morning you still want to go, we'll, we'll discuss how to work it out. You tried. Alright. Joey says, sure, I'll think about it. I know exactly what I'm thinking about. I know exactly what my answer is. He goes into his room, flicks on his TV. Each kid has his own TV, of course. How else could you be in the olden days and have an old TV? Flicks on his TV. <laughs> Today's days, the kids are laughing at me. Rabbi, flicks, really? Come on. Maybe he had an 8-track also. Probably did. And it's the end of the game. Dodgers beat the Yankees 5-3. to three. I remember that game well. I was so happy. I was always a Dodgers fan. Open Dodgers? Who knows? Dodgers beat the Yankees 5-3. to three, And the announcer says, it just goes to show that even though the Yankees were heavy odds to win the game, he who plays hardest wins the game. Joey was struck by lightning. He hears the words of the announcer, the team that plays the hardest wins, and he sees the Rebbe staring at him. And he says, New Orleans, I'm sorry it's him, Kipper. Comes in the morning, he doesn't explain anything. He says, Dad, you're right, Mom, you're right. I thought it over, I'm not going. No. Joey was a very bright boy. He did extremely well in high school and went on to college. He was accepted in the best of colleges. Unfortunately, Joey was not... He was a geek. As a geek, you all know that a geek doesn't get... He's a little socially um, hampered. He's not totally socially, you know... He's a little inept. And didn't have any friends. Didn't like to make friends. He liked to stick to his books to study. But although he didn't want to make friends, really, it gets lonely, it gets depressing. And on campus, Hashem saved him, and he had a very nice organization that reached out to him and embraced him, befriended him. Unfortunately, they were the Mormons. And the Mormons are a missionary group based in Utah, Salt Lake City. And they got their claws into Lonely Joey. And Lonely Joey got so into this movement, he even convinced two other Jewish boys to join him. Bye, Jane. And Joey went through many lectures and courses. And a date was set for Joey and his two friends to fly out to Utah, Salt Lake City, to be baptized. No, as a going away party before they leave to Utah, his mentor organized a baseball game. And Joey was the pitcher. And Joey pitched a stellar game. Amazing, a beautiful game. And he really wiped and grinded the opposition. His mentor came over and embraced him after the game and said, Joey, that was beautiful. That was an amazing game. And the lesson we get from this, because you'll be able to be one of the pillars in our religion, 
the lesson you get from this game is the team that plays the hardest wins. Hmm. Joey heard this Mormon mentor telling this, and once again he was struck by lightning. And he said, one minute, excuse me a moment, and he kept smiling and shaking everybody's hands, taking the congratulations for the wonderful game. He went over to his two friends and he says, we are out of here. I'm playing for your tickets, we're going to New York, we're going to see the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Years later, the United Nations had a representative from the United States of America, a nice Jewish boy named Arthur Goldberg. Arthur Goldberg's assistant was none other than our Joey. <laughs> Joey had an uncle who had only one son. His, own, his cousin from that uncle was only one child. He was an only child. And much to the chagrin of the uncle, his only child fell into the hands of the wonderful group called Chabad. And was sitting and learning in the yeshiva, Chabad yeshiva in Etzitzel. The year, for those who know the history of our nation, of the person that was in charge of the UN for the United States, Arthur Goldberg, the year was 1967. And 1967, it was looming in the month of May. Everyone was talking and everybody was saying how there's no chance that if this war, God forbid, breaks out, there's no chance the Jews are going to survive. Everyone speculated and thought and discussed how, God forbid, there'd be another Holocaust and the entire Jewish nation was to be wiped out. Everyone except for one person. That one person was the Lubavitcher Rebbe. The Bavitcher Rebbe said, not only will they not be wiped out, God forbid, this whole thing will be over in a few days. Something that no logic dictated, nobody could imagine or could believe. Well, more so was Joe's uncle. And Joe's uncle went to him and said, listen, I know that you have some kind of connection by the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Get over there. He's not letting my son leave. He's telling my son that he's safe there. And he's telling my son that the war will be over in a few days. And you and I both know that is not possible. Barring any major, major miracle, this is not a possibility. <laughs> And I said, my only son, my only child, I want him home, I want him in one piece. Mm-hmm. Joey secured, and once again, a yechidus with the Rebbe. And he came into the Rebbe to plead his uncle's case. Telling his uncle what he's going through. Telling the Rebbe what his uncle's going through, and the pleas of his uncle asking the Rebbe to please let his cousin come home. Mm. And the Rebbe said very clearly, There is no reason for him to leave Yeshiva. There's no reason for him to leave there. He is fine. He is safe. It's the safest place in the world. He will be fine. what to do. The Rebbe was adamant. And Joey had nothing to tell his father, his uncle. He's in trouble now. What is he going to say? Well, we all know the history. Go back to 1967 in the books if you don't know it and read what happened Baruch Hashem, the major, major miracles that took place, and 
Klal Yisrael was spared. God forbid what everyone was predicting. And Joey returned once again to the Rebbe to thank him. And as he came into the Rebbe's office to thank the Rebbe for the miracle that he obviously attributed to the Rebbe, the Rebbe said, I don't need to thank you, but I need a favor. Even the hardline lefties in Israel are trying to give back the land. All this hard-fought land, and all this land that proved very, very clearly to be of the utmost importance to the security of the land, (laughs) and by winning this, you see how the nation is now so much better protected, they're looking to give this back, Rahman al-Islam. Now you have the fi- you have the, the ears, you have the people to talk to. I need you to go back to these people and stop them. Then the Rebbe told him one more thing. There's a pair of tefillin in my secretary's office waiting for you. Go in, please, and get the tefillin. My secretary will teach you how to put them on. Please start using them every day. And Joey was was (laughs) shaking by the Rebbe's understanding and vision. And as Joey is walking out of the door for the end of the Yechidus, the Rebbe says to him, Oh, by the way, do you still follow baseball? Seeing that this little line that the Rebbe used about baseball saved Joey's life so many times. The 30, 40 years later, the Rebbe wanted to show him, 20 years later, the Rebbe wanted to show him how that conversation that he had with him as a 13-year-old boy was something that a seed that the Rebbe planted to keep this child from his entire life. This is what a leader of a nation is. And therefore when Kairach stands up and tries to dispute the greatness of Mesha, tries to fight and say that he is the one that needs to be the leader or whatever the case may be, they gathered together against Mesha and Aaron. This is chapter 16, verse 32 and 33. They said to them, Rav Lachem, the entire nation is great, is holy. Why do you need to be raised up higher than the nation? Kirach was comparing everybody. In that case, what do they want to be? They want to be Cain Godel? What did they become the Cain Godel? Moshe says to him in chapter 16, verse 10, You want to become Kahanim? How does this whole thing fit? Some opinions say that they were not fighting about the Kohen God, they were fighting about Moshe. Moshe being the leader, the king. What makes a king greater than everybody else? If Kulam Kadeshim. And we know if you're keeping track at home, score at home, the Gemara Chagiga, Tafheya Midbeis, tells us, Someone tries to approach, to demote, to 
put down. Oof. King. Punishment is capital. And we find also by Meshach Rabbeinu. He led the nation fully. This, his Nasus, is what Bnei Kerech had a fight upon. This is what they had a problem with. Why is it and how is it that he was holier or greater than the rest of them? Tavshinach of Beis on Pashas Kerech that year was Hei Tammuz the Rebbe asked a very simple question according to the Seder Eulam which we referred to before Hi Hi the Machlekes of Kerech and his nation let's plug it in you don't have to hear all the Okay. The Machlekes of Kerach and his nation took place after the story of the Miraglim. Post coin. There were two, now there's one. Took place after the story of the Miraglim. I don't know, find it later. Funny. Real funny. Magic tricks. Okay. And the raya is that time that doesn't have you say you did not bring us to the land of Zavaz Chalavadvash. And this is a reference that was made by the Miraglim. But rather, Meshavayna took us out to die in the desert. This has to be, and now that they were declared that they're going to die in the desert, that the decree was put upon them, so they said this is definitely must be the situation, this must be the case. So therefore, we, based on that, we say, that the story of Kerach took place after the story of the Miraglim. The simple question, says the Rebbe, what was Kerach thinking? you have any idea how long Moshe was a king and Aaron was king Godel until this point in time already? The commandment of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to take the Aveda from the Bechirim, and to give it to Aaron and his children, was during Matan Teda. When they put up the Mishkan, definitely. The Kahuna Gedele belonged to Aaron. Shmini Meluim, the eight days of fulfilling the, the completing the, the Mishkan. So we're going back to Shishi Basivan a year prior. The sixth day of the month of Sivan, a year before. Whatever it might be. The story of the Miraglim took place after Tishabav, a year and a half later. And now Kerak wakes up and says, hey, Why is he a king? And why are you a king? <laughs> Sir, hello, where have you been? You're not on, you're not on track here at all. Why now did he wake up to come up with this problem? If you want to say the main machlekes of Kerech was because of the fact that El Tzofan Ben Uziel was appointed as the Nasi of, of Kahas, even this happened much uh, a long time before. Even this didn't just take place. This appointment also was a while back. When they counted the Levian, which is the beginning of the month of year. And Kerach's Machlekes took place in Tishabov. What is going on here? What was he thinking? Where was he until now? Why did he wake up now? So we must say, therefore, 
that what rocked Kerev's boat really was the story of the Miraglim. This whole incident with the Miraglim is what really rocked his boat. The Miraglim's taina was, we said already, we spoke about last week, that we don't want to do mitzvahs maizias. We want to stay here in the desert and sit and study Torah. We don't want to be separated in the worldly matters. We want to be totally devoted to Hashem. Meshe Rabbeinu said to them, No, Amaisa, you need to do mitzvahs. Physical mitzvahs. The difference in Torah mitzvahs. Torah, we need to understand and to grasp. In which there are different levels. There's a weaker form of grasping. And there's a greater form of grasping something. But mitzvahs, everybody does the same. Understanding Teda, you have the great sage, and you have the simpleton. And the great sage learns, it's like a sugya learns something, and understands it so simply, and it comes through to his mind so great. Mashenke, and the simpleton who goes and toils and breaks his head to understand and to be able to grasp something. No. So understanding of learning Teda, I understand. There can be different levels. But Maisa Mitzvahs? Doing Mitzvahs? Even kill. Everyone is equal. It doesn't matter what intentions I have when I'm putting on tefillin. Because that's not the Mitzvah. The mitzvah is to wrap the tefillin on your arm and head and put them on and say Krishna. It's nice when you make the blocha and you have the kavonis and you know what you're thinking and what's going and what you're connecting to. It's nice for each strap. And to see what significance and it's... Yeah! But the Maisa Mitzvah, did you put on tefillin today? Yes! You don't ask you, did you put on tefillin and have all the proper kavanas? I ask you, did you put on tefillin today? I put on tefillin today. So you put on tefillin and I put on tefillin, everybody else put on tefillin. It doesn't matter really how we put it on, but the main thing is that it's done. So the story of the Miraglim, the story of Kerach comes after the story of the Miraglim. Because Kerach knew that when it came to learning Torah, Meshach and Aaron were head and shoulders above him. Kerach knew that Meshach got the Torah in Sinai, he gave it to Aaron, the whole pecking order, the whole chain of study. Kavana was not only learning Torah. He said, Now that we prove through Mikesha Shaitsim, whatever it might have been, now that was proven that mitzvahs need to be done, where are you different than us? And that's where he starts this whole Machlikas after the Miraglim. The Rebbe goes into a very deep question. Just leave you with a question, Al-Kapanam of the Rebbe. How is it possible, Kerach and 250 people standing up, and what? listen to their words, listen to their taina. <laughs> they want to say, Madua Tisnasu, why are you greater than us? They First they say, Kola Eda Kulam Kedeshim, we're all holy. Amongst each and every one of us. And in his group of Kerach was Nesiei Eda, were heads of tribes. And there were people from Shevet Levi. And we know that Shevet Levi is higher than the rest of the, the, the nation. So his group was concocted of all these great people. What are you crying about? You're just as high, just as holy, just as special has Moshe and Aaron and everybody else. How could they doubt? How do they cry? What is their battle cry? Umadua tisnasu, that why are they lifted up? May we be zeichet to see. It was very interesting this morning.
I had a uh, fellow who asked to be to get Levi for Aliyah. He's a Levi. He needed a second. He needed an Aliyah. So he said, "Do you have a Levi today?" I said, "No." I said, "Okay, good. Can I be the Levi?" Yeah. No problem, brother. I know there's a Kohen here with a minion. We'll give you Levi. So one of the guys there standing says, "When do you want to become a Kohen? Why are you still only a Levi?" I said to him, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Not this week." Don't bring up that subject this week. That's taboo. <laughs> this is the wrong week to bring up such a joke that a lady wants to become a Kayan. May we be And this Shabbos to be in the Beis Hamikdash Hashlishi, where Take, everybody gets elevated and will become Kulam Kedeshim. We'll all become Kahanim. Everybody become Kahanim Gedalim. And we'll be in the base Hamidash Ashlishi Rushalaim Rakedesh, the Sidraina Bereshenu, and we'll begin the Yamtiv of Chaga Gula from Gimel Tamas onwards, and we'll march us to the Gula, each and every one of our own Gulas, to our private redemption, Shabbat Shalom to all.